the future has arrived. As the world and humanity itself moves faster and faster into unimaginable possibilities, old institutions that built connection and shaped our sense of meaning are falling by the wayside. In their wake, profound questions about ethics, our purpose, and spirituality demand new answers. Join your host, Scott Mason, in Season 2 of the Purpose Highway Podcast. We will explore how these social changes will revolutionize our society. We will learn how they impact our own search for connection and meaning. And we will hear stories of influencers whose lives have had radical change from the inside. And found profound connection to others and themselves through a new definition of meaning. The future has arrived. Are you ready? When you're racing down the Purpose Highway, we want to make sure you're healthy and happy every step of the way. That's why we're proud to partner with It's NOLA, 21st century plant-based healthy granola snack bites made with real ingredients and audacious flavor. It's NOLA crafts small batch hand-rolled granola balls that are vegan, gluten-free, and naturally low in sugar. It's NOLA's delightful bites come in three flavors. Luscious cranberry coconut, sassy mango masala, and dark, decadent, chewy chocolate. It's NOLA is available to both individual customers and for wholesale accounts at itsnola.com. That's I-T-S-N-O-L-A dot com. Guests on this show are already enjoying this delicious snack. Check out It's NOLA's website for yourself and find out how good it is. Hello, everybody. It's Scott Mason revving up for another race down the Purpose Highway. If you like what we're doing, be sure to subscribe and give us a thumbs up on YouTube and a review on Apple. In the meantime, we have sitting next to me in the front seat today, none other than Jessica Dugas. Jessica is an intuitive mentor and inspirational entertainer passionate about helping empower humanity to live with less stress and more joy. She's a multi-passionate entrepreneur, bringing all of her coaching skills, healing modalities, authentic intuition, sense of humor, and love of entertainment to all of her clients, to her internationally best-selling books, and to her successful talk show, The Breakthrough Show, which, by the way, I've appeared on as well as its network. Jessica, welcome to the show. Scott, thank you so much for having me here. My my friend, I I, uh, I always love our conversation. So now that we get the privilege of bringing that to other people. Exactly. And I consider it a privilege to not only be a part of your community, but to be able to merge it with mine and to hopefully bring some more folks into your community because it is a community that is well worth being a part of. Jessica, before we get into our get to know you round, I'm just going to reiterate a couple of the themes of this season of the show. Number one, 
We are living in times in which the ways in which humanity, particularly in the Western world, are thinking about purpose, their ethics, as well as connection to spirituality, are shifting. People are breaking new grounds in terms of how they move forward on those fronts. Some of the old paradigms are changing. New technologies, new social, cultural, and health situations have forced shifts, as well as the emergence of new types of thinkers in those areas. Having a mass audience are all leading to a revolution in our thoughts as well as how we practice them, particularly, like I said earlier, with ethics, purpose, and spirituality. That's theme number one. Theme number two relates to alienation. It is a secret plague of disconnect between humans living in the Western world who are moving less and less towards common social engagements and into their own separate little universes, but feeling dissatisfied and alone because of that. And that latter theme is why I felt it was important to bring you and your message into this arena. Because you're talking about connection. You're talking about taking risk. You're talking about bringing joy as an antidote to the unhappiness that alienation has plagued all of us with. Now, as we move into those themes in a little more depth as the show proceeds, let's play a little game here I like to play with all of my guests. There has to be some sort of god or goddess or or Greek myth that really speaks to you because, Jessica, you're way too cool to not have spit the avatar. So tell me, who is it? Shoot a name. Okay. My Nemosyne. Uh Nemosyne. Mm. Talk to me about who is that? Why does that speak to you? So first of all, I had to practice that 800 times um, to, to try to get the, the pronunciation correct. Um, it is the goddess of memory and remembrance. And she has also been known as the goddess of time in, in some parts as well. Um, and her name comes from the Greek Nimi, which means memory. And, um, she was, she was in charge of, as I understand it, um, being, uh, making sure people's memories and historical accounts were out there before written record was a thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it was telling the stories person to person. And that has been what my platform has been about since the beginning. And so I res really resonated with that in addition to the fact that she was a mother yep. of nine. Uh, nine muses and all having to do with the arts, which is what I'm really passionate about as well. Um, so I just found, I found many areas that I connect with her. She was not an Olympian. However, she was right. one of the most important goddesses that there were. I believe Homer himself uh, calls out to her at different points during his epics. And she was, well, she had a relationship with Zeus, the chief of the mm -hmm. gods. Now, any goddess having a direct relationship with <laughs> Zeus, the king of the gods, is from a symbolism perspective, an indication of that deity's importance. 
This particular goddess was of the generation that actually preceded the Olympians, called the Titans. And they represented the primal forces of nature, the very stuff that the universe was made of. And so what that says from, again, a symbolic perspective, is that things like memory, and the telling of stories go as to the very fundamental nature of the universe. And what you're saying and what she represents is indeed something fundamental to our perception of and under ability to understand, make any sense of the universe at all. I think it's amazing that you chose that particular mm. goddess and she's well worth studying. I want to say, for whatever reason, I believe she's um, portrayed as having very long hair, which also mm. goes as to you <laughs> who have very long hair, but also goes as to the length of history, the, the mm. length of the, the continual story that all of us are part of. I love that you mentioned that she was the mother of the muses. The muses are what, like you said, inspire artists. They inspire science as well. They represent everything, the ability to bring out anything of meaning into the world. You say that you believe and are passionate about empowering humanity to live with more joy. What do the muses do? They bring the world joy through inspiration. Absolutely. We're so we don't have to say this name over and over again. <laughs> We're just going to call her the goddess of memory for the rest mm -hmm. of this episode. But hearing everything that I just said, does um does the goddess of memory um resonate with you in any different way than what you might have thought walking into this conversation or or does it amplify it or are you feeling more alienated from her than you thought you'd ever imagine? No, the, the more that I talk about her and the more that I hear you speak about her, the more connected to her I feel. And even in my history of, of growing up and things that I did and everything else, I spent a long time um, volunteering at a nursing home when I was younger and working specifically with patients who had memory mm -hmm. issues. Wow. And also, so that's a huge connection. Wow. And then the other thing I was thinking about was that um, I have really to get to get vulnerable with you have thought very much about what my own uh, legacy will be here. Will I will I become will there be a point when people won't talk about what I've done um, and, and remember me or anything? And and that's something that is hard for me to sit with. I think as a human. And one of the stories that I read about um, the, the goddess of memory is that the, people said that she was going to be redundant because they said that, you know, Zeus will rule forever and nobody will need memory anymore. No one will need mm -hmm. to remember anything. So what will be the point of her? But they said that even in the underworld, there was, I guess, a, a, a lake or a pool or something yeah. like that that held her name and that those who were deemed worthy would be able to go wow. to this pool and, and remember. And that that was so important and that was such a big deal. And um, so I, I think about that in just this own place that I am in my life of going, am I going to be remembered? Do, do the things that I am doing now, are they going to matter? Jessica, for a while, I worked for the New York City Department for the Aging. Mm -hmm. And the division that I oversaw had oversight over 
um, New York City funded senior centers, over 300 of them actually, as well as Meals on Wheels programs and the healthy aging programs. And so part of what I did in that capacity was learn what was the most up-to-date information about aging back then, particularly aging in a way that was healthy, as well as go to visit senior centers. And it was a job that I only held for, I, I didn't held, hold it for a massive amount of time. Another opportunity came up and I took that other opportunity quite quickly, although it was just a lateral move. And part of this goes as to this very issue. The, when I would go to these senior centers, I was in my very early 40s at the time, even though I'm only 26 today. <laughs> <laughs> the goddess of memory managed to get me to remember my own future. She's really kind of awesome. <laughs> but I remember between that and the healthy aging studies, becoming obsessed with Alzheimer's. I was convinced every time I forgot a word or misplaced my tie or whatever that I had Alzheimer's and I realized I, and oh, my husband, if he forgot a word or, you know, forgot to add salt to his, <laughs> to his enchilada that day. Oh my God, does he have Alzheimer's? Now, meanwhile, many years later, he and I are both functioning in a perfectly acceptable way, but it goes as to the terror um, and the existential role, the primal role of memory. What you just spoke about is this concept of, of us being forgotten. Mm -hmm. And I hadn't really thought about it in this way before. So thank you. And I would love to hear your thoughts on what I'm about to say, which is that so much of who and what our essence is relates to the existence of memory. If we have Alzheimer's, but lose our memory, what are we but just a shell? And that's the horror of it. And so it also goes as to what you're fundamentally talking about, particularly with that story about the pool. Because the Greeks believed that when you died, you literally just became a shade that walked mm. around in the underworld. You didn't remember anything. Like you said, it was a privilege to be able to drink from this river or this pool or whatever it was. Um, what you're talking about is the relationship underneath it all of our drive to have a purpose. Mm -hmm. Because that's what people will remember us by. That is drinking from the pool of the goddess of memory. Saying that, I ask you two questions. One, do you agree with what I just said? Two, how did you come to find your own purpose. I, I agree that so much of what drives us is a sense of purpose. I can remember times when I was really going through um, something challenging, whether it's it's been no secret on my own platform. I've shared about different health struggles that I've had throughout the years, um, whether it's been financial issues or anything like that throughout, throughout time, um, throughout my life. I can remember, you know, if, if I wasn't connected with feeling like I have something to do today, I don't think I would have made it through that day. And I can think about times when I was suicidal, when I didn't want to be on this earth and remembering, I remember clearly feeling like I don't have anything to do. 
I don't have anything that I'm that I'm supposed to be doing. I don't have anything that I feel passionate about. I don't I just felt very disconnected. You talked about before alienation. I think probably the biggest thing for me is feeling alienated from my own self. If that's Mm -hmm. if that's even just so disconnected with my own my own being. but I, I, one of the privileges that I had, you, you mentioned about um, being a shell without memory and without purpose and, and all of these different things. When I, when I was uh, working at that nursing home, the one, the place that I worked was in the, um, the entertainment part, the recreation part of the um, nursing home. And you would have patients that would have complete Alzheimer's dementia. They wouldn't know who they were. They wouldn't know who their family were when they came in. They wouldn't remember what they ate for lunch. It was just one of the most uh, devastating things I've ever witnessed. But when you would play a song and they would start to sing it as if as if no time had wow. passed. They were, it's like they were taken back to going to seeing, you know, Sinatra when he wow. was young years ago or something like that. And you would see in those moments, they are not just a shell. It, it's all there. It's all there. It just might not be shown on the outside. And so those moments really made me, while it's, it's, it's devastating. It's sad to see, you know, they, they don't remember certain things. They're there. I felt it. I felt it in those moments, not just by the words that they sang. And so that gave me this, while we may not express it on the outside of, I have a purpose and I'm here for this reason, it's there. (laughs) It's there. It still exists. It just might not be expressed. You indicated that at different points in your life, you felt like you would want to end it all. Mm. And Jessica... I'd be lying if I were to say anything other than there have, look, we've both been through dark nights of the soul. Part of why I feel so I'm able to speak, I've been told so authentically. And I like to feel that inside, I feel such empathy with people is that I've faced inner darkness. Talk to us a little bit about the situations in life that led you to the brink and what your breakthrough was, how mm. that ultimately was able to connect you to this particular purpose that you manifest through your show, through your coaching, through your, uh, through your healing practice. I think for me, it, as I mentioned it, I felt like it was really a disconnect within myself. Mm. I can't really think of specific moments that made me go, well, that was the moment that I, I knew that I wanted to end it all. Mm. Um, I can remember feeling very sad a lot of times for seemingly no reason. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember feeling very disconnected within myself. As I said, I'm not really sure what that was. I remember feeling very disconnected with other people. I would be in school and I would be friends with people, but never really feeling that deep, like this is my soul person (laughs) connection. And when I would make that connection, something would happen. They wouldn't want to be friends anymore. They would die. They would, you know, all of these, like I would, I experienced all this incredible Wait, are you, loss. Are you saying, I'm sorry, are you saying that when you were in school, you had, you had friends that passed away? Yes. 
Yes. Um, I had a very good friend in middle school that I was very good friends with that got, um, that was killed by a drunk driver. Um, and then a couple of years later, another friend crashed her car and, and passed. And so I experienced loss at a very young age. And then I tended to be, tended to be this person that would, um, I always had friends with all age groups. I remember being very young and, and, um, I told this story recently in a book that I'm writing about growing up with my grandparents which I think sort of fueled that relationship with the older generations as well. I've often said I feel like I was born at the wrong time. I love like a lot of the old music and, uh, you know, back when we had to get up and change the channel, you know, on the TV. I can, I'm only 26, so I don't know what you're talking about. I, I didn't think you would. I didn't think you would. But um, I used to go to the beach uh, to polka abrasion. Do you enjoy polka music, Scott? No. I'll just say my grandfather used to play Lawrence Welk, this polka yes. show, and make me and my sister watch watch it, and it felt like an eternity. It was the most boring mm. hour of my life. <laughs> well, I listen, I came to enjoy it. You wow. know, roll out the barrel, all the things. Um, so <laughs> I would go to I would go to these things in the in the summer um where they would have this, you know, couple week long with Dick Pillars band in New London, Connecticut at Ocean Beach. Some of you all might be like, yes, and some of y'all be like, please don't. <laughs> um and, and um they, you know, obviously I was I was probably some of the younger of the people there. It was all older people and, and my grandparents' age and all of that. And they would come out and do all of these line dances to the, the and I would be like, teach me, oh, let's wow. go. Like I've been be out there doing it. Um, and so, but, but that came with kind of the, you know, I would, I would make friends with these people that were older generation and their time would come and they would pass on. And so I would, I would experience a lot of this loss. And I think, um, I don't know. Now that I'm thinking about it, maybe it added to this sort of need that I've had to to be alive and to push forward and to drive because I had experienced so much loss. Mm -hmm. um, and that came to a head um, actually 12 years ago last month when my brother Adam passed away. Um, and my brother was four years younger than me. And he had cancer and it was a very, very fast process. Um, he was re-diagnosed in April of 2009 and passed January of 2010. So it was that, it was that fast. Wow. Um, but watching that in particular, uh, because he was younger than me, it really had me face my own mortality and something that I had been sort of Oddly enough, even for a person that had attempted suicide, yeah. it was something that it was hard for me to mm. come to, 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 to have a conversation about or anything. And um, in that moment when he died, and I told about this in the book Shine that I had written this story in, um, was it was almost like a movie reel playing in my head because I walked in the room the moment that he took his last breath. That was, I literally walked in, he took his last breath in the hospital. And, and I remember sitting in the chair. Wow. And it was like a movie. It was like a movie of my life. You know, they, they say it, you'd say, say all the time, your life flashes before your eyes. That's exactly what I experienced. And I remembered everything that I had ever done. And then I remember feeling selfish and I remember feeling kind of gross because I'm like, your brother just died. Why are you thinking about yourself? 
Mm-hmm. And But that's all I could think about. All I could think about is time that I've wasted and time that I've made mistakes and times when I've, I've done well, but why didn't I give myself enough credit mm-hmm. for that? Mm-hmm. And all of these different things. And that was my moment of going, Jessica, get yourself together. Mm-hmm. Get yourself together. Because I had been pretending, you know, I'm the perfect mom. I'm the perfect wife. I've got it all together. No. I was hard. I was a horrible mess all the time. Um, and I was really good at pretending. I was really good at taking my camera and only facing it towards the clean side of the room. <laughs> Moms know about that. <laughs> all there. I was really good at that. And that was the moment that everything literally changed for me um, of going, I've got to get myself together. I changed the way I was look, looking at healthcare, um, taking care of myself. I changed how I looked at being a mother and what my role looked like for that. And then I started to go, I, I've been on this planet all this time. And what am I actually doing? Mm-hmm. And then I started working on myself and all of that. And then years later was when I had the opportunity to write in the book. And after that was the birth of my show, which was completely on accident. You have just described your own breakthrough moment. Yeah. Your show is called The Breakthrough Moment, in which you talk to people about breakthrough moments. If there is anything that you have learned after hearing multiple seasons worth of breakthroughs, what might those things be? What are some common characteristics or common triggers or anything that brings together uh, this whole body of thinking that you have collected around breakthroughs that we as an audience might be able to take away to help understand maybe what might trigger our own breakthroughs or how to handle our breakthroughs? Mm. I find it really interesting. I ask several guests that have come on the show, what makes you different? I think I might have asked you that too when you were on the show, Scott. Did I ask absolutely nothing? I hope not. Listen, (laughs) (laughs) what, what makes you different though? Because listen, we, here's the, here's the thing. We've all been through stuff, something. We've all been through something. Even those of us who may not feel like we have been through, uh, significant challenges later in life, the process, and I can speak to this truly as a mother, the process of birth alone mm. is traumatic. <laughs> it's a very mm-hmm. traumatic and healing and multifaceted moment mm. uh, for so many people, the mother, the child, the, the partner, the doctors, it's just this whole thing. Um, so even that in itself is, is a moment, <laughs> but you know, we've all been through something. And I think that the, I've asked, I said, you know, what makes you different though? How have you survived this? How have you continued to thrive and, and not given up or not succumbed to addiction or, you know, any of these other, suicide, any of these other things that we've dealt with? And it's all, it's never the same answer. 
It's never the same answer. Mm -hmm. It seems to me it's never just one thing either. It is this perfect storm of circumstances and things that just happen to work out for any particular person. Mm -hmm. So it might be that someone has an incredible support system. Mm -hmm. It might mean that somebody else was educated. It, um, they have a toolbox that, mm -hmm. uh, so to speak, of things that help them. Um, it might mean that they were at the right place. Uh, literally physically in their life. They might be in a certain area of the world. They might have grown up in a certain neighborhood that is particularly supportive, that went to a certain school. Um, it might be that they their body works really well. They, they haven't had a lot of health challenges. Um, it could be that they have had health challenges and that has been the catalyst that has helped them become who they are. So it's all of these different things put together and it's so different for every person. So part of my platform and what I've spoken out about over the years is that when someone comes to you and says, I have this one thing that's going to change your life. I have this one, you're just going to do this worksheet. You're going to take this one course. You're going to go to this one workshop. That, no, that might be in addition to what you have going on already. And it might be that catalyst that helps you move forward, but it's really a combination of things. There's never just one thing. And so if somebody ever comes to you and says, Scott, this one thing is going to be that magic pill that you take that's going to change it all. Run. Run as fast as you can, Scott. <laughs> I'll remember that. I may throw that as a podcast <laughs> guest someday too, if they answer the question the wrong way. Run. <laughs> what is an intuitive mentor? You say that you are that. Uh, Jessica, what what does that even mean? Tell me. I don't know. I don't know. Felt good. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we'd like to keep it real here on the Purpose Highway. Hands up for that, sister. Yay. <laughs> no, so I um I don't uh, I don't I never resonated with the term coach. Mm. Um and I don't really consider myself to be a teacher, even though I'm mm -hmm. a homeschooling mom. I don't I don't particularly like that either. I operate a lot from experience. I operate a lot from a place of um just almost in an, an innate knowing an intuitive place and um that's not that's something that like i i have shared before that i came into uh touch with when my brother passed away i didn't realize how powerful my own intuition was until i started using it go figure <laughs> um, and so when i when i started using that intuition for myself and going something just feels right here um there's there it's almost a I don't know. I want to say it's a gut feeling, but I feel it in my whole body. And so when I helped other people with just having sort of a bird's eye view of where they are in the moment and helping them to maybe shift their mindset about where they are or take the next step forward when they've been afraid to do so, I get that same feeling. I get that same intuitive sort of my whole body's like, yes, move forward. <laughs> you know, it's like, something just pushing in that direction. And so when I, you know, people tell you that you have to have a title and something that you have to go by and I'm like, well, I'm intuitive and I'm sort of mentoring people. So that feels good. <laughs> I love it. Well, let me ask you this though. If you are someone who is feeling that inner disconnect, the way you described yourself feeling mm -hmm. earlier, and a lot of people do feel that 
I, that, that disconnect, the alienation that I mentioned earlier, I personally have come to believe after interviewing a number of guests and doing research on this topic over the past however long, I've come to believe that the alienation of human from human is actually as often as not a um, a symptom of alienation from within. Alienation mm-hmm. to, from the part of us that that empathizes with other people, or that may um, be able to face the full multidimensionality of who and what we are inside, and it's, it can be easier than to compartmentalize ourselves into different tribes or to different judgment spaces or whatever. So when you talk, at least to my ears, about alienation from the self, and then you talk about reaching into intuition and saying, this feels right to me. And then ultimately tying that back into the concept of a breakthrough moment. What might you say to someone whose sense of interior disconnect may manifest itself by not being able to even process intuition by feeling that they have none? I was never one that believed that we all had like intuitive, like intuitive gifts. Um, I, I, I think they're Thank all. Thank you for being honest about that. Yeah, I, yeah. I never, I never. Frankly, I never really believed that. Um, I was just grew up the good little Catholic girl. I did what I was told. <laughs> <laughs> You know, um, and, and so I never, like, I was taught thinking about the religious upbringing I had, you listen to God, and that's it. And I was never taught that God could speak through Mm -hmm. a person that I that I recall being maybe, maybe that could have been shared with me at some point, but it was never taught as like a dogma Mm -hmm. as like, you know, God could speak through somebody or or whatever. Um, But I, I think for me, I had to just just start connecting with myself in some kind of way. So I would, I would, and through connecting with other people is how I ended up coming back and connecting with myself. So I opened myself up to going, okay, I've got to meet other people. I've got to expand my horizons here. And I would, I just started networking with people. I just started digging in and researching different concepts and then meeting people that believed in those concepts and, and, through meeting other people, I kind of got back to this space of going, oh, there's a there's a little piece of me there. And there's a little piece of me and there's a little and, yeah. and really coming into touch with who I am by learning what my beliefs are, what my morals were, what um, my what my routine should look like, yeah. you know, everyday little things. And um, and then, you know, learning to spend time in quiet. Um, part of the picture that I painted in the story that I wrote about when my brother passed away was being in the elevator. Um, and I don't like elevators. I don't like being closed in. I'm an Aquarius, Scott. Don't put me in a box. <laughs> <laughs> don't put me in a box. Um, I don't like being closed in. And a part of what I realized is I don't like being closed in. I don't like the quiet because I didn't like who I was. Wow. When you get, when, when you cut everything out. Wow. Do you like who you are? Mm-hmm. And um, and so I had to con- kind of come to grips with that as well. And so I think I was that person before that felt like I don't um, I don't think there's you know I have an intuitive bone in my body. I don't even know what that means. And I had to it open up, it kind of expand my awareness 
and then rein it back in and learn and then learn to sit with myself in the quiet. And then you go, oh, there you are. You know, the movie um, Hook with uh, Robin Williams was in. He played Peter Pan. My favorite scene from that whole movie is when they're trying to get him to discover who he is. Mm. And then he he's all, you know, he's older and everything else. And the little lost boy goes up to him and he pulls his face back like this. And he goes, there you are, Peter. And it's just like this whole moment of like, it's there. It's there. You just got to connect with it. Like we all have these abilities. You just have to do the work to find it. It's not for most of us. It's not going to be like here. You're intuitive. Merry Christmas. It's not like that. Yeah. Yeah. Now you talk, as we mentioned several times already, and is the theme of your show around the concept of breakthrough. We've discussed integrating through intuition, uh, the self in a way so that hopefully it will be less disconnected. You also mentioned in our pre-show discussion, and I think I mentioned this earlier in the hour, that you feel passionately about being able to go on an adventure in life. Mm. I may have had my breakthrough, realized that the universe is full of possibilities in front of me, but I'm not an adventurous person. I like my comfort zone. How come that doggone breakthrough had to come and screw everything up for me? Yeah. Okay. I know I need to change. I don't know how to do this. I'm always someone that's just done what makes me feel good or is easy. What do you tell someone like me? Uh, the unknown can feel really good. Like, like, and maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm, (laughs) I love, uh, I love to try different kinds of food. Um, I, one of, that's part of my adventure in life is I love to try new things. I will go to a restaurant and I will work my way through the menu every time I go. I will have something different. I I have a hard time deciding. When I go to do something, whether it's ordering food or going to the amusement park, or I'm like, what do I do? I want to do all the things. Um, and whereas my husband is very different. My husband's like, I will have the same thing I had the last 26 times. <laughs> Thank you very much. Roller coaster? No, thanks. <laughs> like, no, it's just the way it is. Um, but I've always felt, I think I've always been that way of where I've always wanted to do something new, try something new. And that's, I've always had an adventurous spirit. Now, other people will look into my life and go, well, Jessica, you've never been out of North America. What kind of adventure is that? Like, you've only been to the United States and Canada. You've never traveled anywhere. You've never done this. You've never done that. You've never finished college. You've never... Um, I have birthed six children. That is an adventure. Yeah. <laughs> I have try I love to try different things and I think so I think adventure is perspective. Mm-hmm. I think anybody could um you either have an adventurous spirit or you don't and it's and it doesn't mean we have to kind of get out of our head that adventure means a certain thing. Mm. That it means you have to travel, you have to try new foods. My husband's adventurous, just not at the restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it means you have to, you know, do do uh skydiving. You'll never catch me jumping out of a plane. I'm but I consider okay. myself very adventurous. Mm-hmm. Nope, not doing that. Mm-hmm. 
But we all have our limits. We all have our things that we enjoy. And my biggest, we just have to get out of the our heads that adventure is supposed to look a certain way. Adventure is that bubbling up feeling that we feel like we could just burst if we don't do this. I don't, if it's writing a book, maybe it's getting out of bed in the morning, Scott. Maybe that's adventure. Some That's adventure for me some days. I hear those kids out there and I'm like, Lord, I don't know if I want to do this. Mm-hmm. That reframing actually is very helpful. It never occurred to me before. I'm as guilty as anyone of thinking that adventure, and that's my own bias. I will think of adventure in big terms and I will engage with it. Um, but understanding that adventure can be for some people, maybe just getting out of the bed or maybe for the first... You know, I saw on a um, talk show back in the 90s, uh, the story of a man who had unfortunately really struggled with his weight for many years. And he got, you know, he's one of these unfortunate um, souls who got so big that he wasn't able to walk anymore. And they cut him out. He was one of these folks that they had to cut out of his house and they had to have a whole ambulance team to come and take him to the hospital. And there was some weight loss. I don't know if it was surgery or a diet plan that he went on. But many, many months later, they showed him walking out of his bedroom. He lost enough weight to be able to walk again and through the front door and onto the front yard. And he had such joy in being able to do that. And hearing you makes me think that for him, leaving that bed, walking outside on his own, facing a world that he hadn't seen outside of the hospital or his, literally his bedroom, probably was a true adventure that was every bit as meaningful as some people, you know, going to Antarctica. And there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, it ties back into to what we were talking about, about remembrance, um, if someone's going to be remembered, because we think in our heads, well, at least, okay, let me reframe that for, I think in my head, nobody's going to remember me unless I do something big, mm-hmm. unless I do something that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Well, for me, in moments when I've really struggled with my health or something like that, just getting out of bed is a pretty big deal. Yeah. It's a pretty big deal. It was a pretty big deal after five really hard, challenging, almost lost my life births with children that my sixth one, I went in there like a warrior. <laughs> I went in, in and out. for She was literally out 45 minutes. Wow. Like that. <laughs> no, no medication, no nothing. Wow. I went in and I took, I was done. I was done, Scott. I got to that and I was, if you want to talk about an adventure. <laughs> Almost had her on the side of the highway adventure. That would have been a different kind of purpose highway. Yeah. <laughs> no babies allowed on the show. Well, babies yes. are allowed on the show. You just can't give birth to them while we're recording. Not today. <laughs> Not today. But yeah, so it's like, it, it's, you know, it, there's been different moments for me that have been so full of purpose and full of adventure and full of joy and all of those things. And we can't be so worried about the fact that anybody's going to look in and say, well, that's not joy. Mm-hmm. That's not adventure. That's not what purpose looks like. Mm-hmm. No, we can't be worried about that. Mm-hmm. We have to do whatever. When you feel that, like that bubbling up feeling, I don't know what, how else to describe it. It just takes over your body and you just know that in this moment, you're exactly where you're supposed to be. When that happens, it's an incredible gift. Mm. Memory, legacy, 
connection. Jessica, tying all of those things together, where can people find out more about you and how can they follow you? The best place to find me, Scott, is at thebreakthroughshow.com that has in, in houses everything that I'm doing right now and really being um, the catalyst that creates the space for other people to share their breakthrough moments, their stories, because I believe that every single one matters. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to resonate with somebody somewhere mm-hmm. and you're going to change their life just mm-hmm. by telling your story. And you have some things coming up. I understand. I'd like to hear a little bit more about those, if you wouldn't mind. <laughs> I am very excited because the Breakthrough Show Network is expanding. And um, we have had the Breakthrough Show has been going on since 2018. And then it's accidentally on purpose, I guess, became a network. And we have other shows going on. And I'm super excited because the day that we're recording this, actually, um, I have a brand new show coming out tonight called My Way. Yeah. You can hear Frank's, Frank Sinatra singing in the yeah. back of your head. Um, but it is focused specifically on entrepreneurs who are doing business outside of the box, who are doing something new and different, who are doing uh, something that maybe is scary to a lot of people that people look in and go, wow, that's that's a big deal. Well, it is a big deal. And we're going to give them the platform to share about it. Powerful, powerful stuff. Jessica, it has been great taking a ride with you today. Thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely. Thank you for having me, Scott. And for everyone tuning in, if you like this episode, please be sure to subscribe and leave a review on Apple or a comment on YouTube. And I shall see you next time for another trip down the Purpose Highway. When you're racing down the Purpose Highway, we want to make sure you're healthy and happy every step of the way. That's why we're proud to partner with It's NOLA. 21st century plant-based healthy granola snack bites made with real ingredients and audacious flavor. It's NOLA crafts small batch hand-rolled granola balls that are vegan, gluten-free, and naturally low in sugar. It's NOLA's delightful bites come in three flavors. Luscious cranberry coconut, sassy mango masala, and dark decadent, chewy chocolate. It's NOLA is available to both individual customers and for wholesale accounts at itsnola.com. That's I-T-S-N-O-L-A.com. Guests on this show are already enjoying this delicious snack. Check out It's NOLA's website for yourself and find out how good it is.